Welcome to the Rooted and Established podcast. I'm your host, Lauren Snyder, and I'm so glad you're here, taking time out of your busy life to join in the conversation. In this space, we'll discuss what it means to live a life rooted in Christ and what that looks like practically in the different areas of our lives. Through short, manageable episodes that you can listen to while doing the dishes or taking a shower, we'll talk about how to live our lives intentionally as Christ followers. My prayer is that in whatever roles we fill or responsibilities we have, no matter where we are planted, we will become rooted and established in Christ. Hey friends, welcome to part three of the Rooted series. We are going to chat more about growing fruit and what that looks like when we are rooted in Christ. If you haven't listened to part one and part two, I really encourage you to go do that. You can listen to this episode on its own, but just for context and for the flow of this series, it makes more sense if you listen to part one and part two before getting into this episode. So I hope that you enjoy it and that you find new ways to allow God to work in your life to produce more fruit. We've talked a lot about what it looks like to be rooted. We talked about kind of the how-tos, talked about how we, how we check in with ourselves emotionally, what we can do to combat the areas where maybe we're not thriving or we're not nourished enough. Talked about how to be spiritually nourished, physically, emotionally, my hope that as, is that as you leave here, that you've been encouraged and equipped and able to implement some of these things. And it may not be right away. You may not see the fruit. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the fruit here in a minute. But it may not be that you're going to walk out the door and be like, here's all the fruit. I found it. I made it. It's not how it works. It takes a long time for fruit to grow. I have a lime tree in my backyard that we've had for three. I was told after three years it would produce fruit. I think we're on year four. We don't have any limes yet, but it it takes time. It's coming. Like I said last night, we're going to take this analogy all the way, and we are not done quite yet. So we're going to keep going with it. What happens to plants when they are rooted and when they are nourished? They produce flowers and they produce fruit. What fruit are we actually producing? Are we bearing healthy fruit? Because trees can bear fruit that's rotten or not edible. Ideally, we want to be producing, like Chelsea talked about earlier, we want to be producing the fruit of the Spirit. I'm going to read Galatians again, 5.22 through 23. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. We've heard it. We're familiar with this passage. But what I don't think we're as familiar with is what Paul talks about right before this in Galatians 5. He lists out all the negative acts and attributes of someone who is not rooted, who is living out of their fleshly desires and sins. I'm going to read it for you. It says, the acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, 
dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. There's some like big things. <laughs> and I know for me, it's easy to kind of skip over them because it's like, I don't, I don't struggle with these. Like, I, what? Witchcraft? I'm not into witchcraft. You know, we, we kind of skim over it. But I guarantee you, on some level, in one way or another, we have all dealt with this, with one of these. I mean, we, jealousy, I've, I've been jealous. I've been envious. I've dealt with anger. On some level, we have all produced rotten fruit. And it's because we're rooted in things that are not Christ talked about it before. Our roles, our responsibilities. Maybe it's our relationships, our marriages, or our relationships with other people. That's where, that's where we're being rooted. We're putting our identity in those things. Our passions or, or our projects, our fleshly, fleshly desires and sins, perfectionism, desire to be seen or people-pleasing, even putting our, our roots and our identity in the lives of the enemy and agreeing with them. Or maybe it's our past, Maybe it's, it's our history that we just can't let go, and that is what we are putting our roots down in. So not all of these things I said are bad. Some of them are, are good and beautiful, but they aren't Jesus. They are things of this world. Even the good things are things of this world, and they will fail us every time. The Apostle Paul, he also had a past. He before he was Paul, he was Saul. He was a Pharisee. He was a good Jewish boy. He knew all the things he needed to know. He followed the law to a T. So much so, he was so zealous for the law that he persecuted Christians. He was standing there when Stephen was stoned. He went, it, it says in Acts, he went through town, went to houses and pulled out Christians to persecute them. That's not who I think of when I think of the Apostle Paul. But he had a past. And he could have encountered Jesus on the road to Damascus and seen him and went blind and been healed and all of that and then just stayed in that. He could have put his identity in the fact that he had a past. He could have said, hey, Jesus, thanks for my salvation. I appreciate it. I love you but I can't do anything beyond this. He didn't let his, his history define him. If, if Paul had stayed there, if he had never changed his ways, or he, if he had never walked in freedom and, and put his roots in Christ, we wouldn't have had the majority of the New Testament, the, the early church. So many people would not know Jesus. He could have stayed stuck in the past. But Jesus said, no, you are a new creation. So much so that I'm going to give you a new name. What names have we been carrying around that do not belong to us anymore? We've slapped that label on and said, it's who I am. It's how it's always been. It's how I was raised. It's just my personality. What names have we, have we taken on ourselves that do not belong on us? Jesus wants to give us a new name. 
Thankfully, Paul did choose to be obedient and and not let his past define him, and he put his identity in Christ. In fact, so much so that he boasted in his weaknesses and in Christ himself. In 2 Corinthians 12, 9, it says, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. He walked in the freedom and forgiveness that Jesus offered him, and and therefore was able to live out and walk out his calling. Part of salvation is is turning and you know repenting and turning away from the sin that we struggle with, from the sin that entangles us. But it's also not letting it define us either. Paul goes on in uh, Philippians. He explains this idea of putting our confidence. We've talked about this all weekend, putting our confidence and our identity in Christ. But he really goes in depth in depth in Philippians three. And look at verse fourteen. 4 through 14, it says, though I myself have reasons for such confidence. He had reasons to be confident in himself. If someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more, Paul says. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, of Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith, I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in death and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that which Christ took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straighting toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Amen? Paul knew where his identity lied. He had reason after reason based on Jewish law, based on his roles in in his society. He had every reason to boast in himself. Even after he became a Christian, he had reason to boast of himself. He planted a bunch of churches. He told everybody about Jesus. He wrote half the New Testament. He had reason, but he did not put his identity in the good things or the bad things. He put it in Christ. He was running his race. He was keeping the eye, his eye on the prize. When we're rooted in the past or in our past achievements or past mistakes, we are still stuck there and we can't run our race. We have to forget it as Paul encourages us so that we can run our race well. In Galatians, again, Paul reminds us that it's easy to get distracted. Phew. If that was true then, I imagine it's even more true now for us. Thank you, World Wide Web. It's so easy to, to get thrown off and, and look to the right or to the left, start, start planting our roots, where it might seem good or feel good. But Galatians 5, 7 through 9, you were running a good race. 
Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? What kind of persuasion does not come, that kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you? A little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. What's that little amount of yeast in your life right now? What is preventing you from walking in your calling, from putting your identity in Christ? What's holding you back from running the race that's been set before you? It doesn't come from the one who called you. It is not of God. Those lies are from the enemy, not from the one who created you. If I'm completely honest, the last several months have been, we'll call it a dry season for me, spiritually. Just, I've been struggling to see the fruit. You know, I feel like I do all the right things. Like Chelsea talked about, I have my Bible, I pray, I'm in the Word. Why don't I see the fruit? Well, part of it is that it does take time. It's not some magic thing that if we just have all the right pieces, it's going to work. It's not a recipe. It's a lifestyle. Because just because we have the right tools doesn't always mean we're going to see the results right away. We are coming or still in a hard season paired with all of the other hard that we normally have to deal with. Combine that with the fact that our culture says we get everything right now. It's hard to press in and to wait and to really cultivate what is needed to produce the fruit. So while I can have the study Bible and the pens and the highlighters and the coffee and the candle and the Instagram-worthy quiet time, I can have all the right things, but I have to take the time to be with Jesus. I have to be in the word. It doesn't have to be perfect. Maybe you're listening to the Bible app in your car on the way to work. Just get in the word somehow. And honestly, the more I'm talking to other women, I'm hearing this kind of sense of just struggle, apathy, depression, lack of motivation. I don't know where you are specifically today, but I know that's something I've been struggling with the lack of fruit, and really the lack of motivation to go do anything about producing the fruit. But what are we rooted in? Because the good news is, we're not the one who produces the fruit. Jesus does it in us. We have to be obedient. We have to show up. We have to be that the new ox that's tied with the veteran ox and be yoked with him but we don't have to lead the way. We don't have to know where we're going. We just got to show up. So what are you rooted in? Are you rooted in bitterness, anger, resentment, your past mistakes, who someone else said that you are, sinful behaviors? Because if so, you will produce negative fruit. But if we are rooted in Christ, we will bear the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Anybody struggle with self-control? Maybe, maybe you shop too much to cope. Or you have trouble setting boundaries. Sorry if I'm stepping on any toes. No, I'm not. Maybe for some it's issue with food or drink or, or your temper. Those are all self-control. What about peace? Are you a peacekeeper or a peacemaker? 
there's a difference. Are we carrying Christ's peace with us into our homes, our workplaces, our relationships? We get to do that. We are image bearers and peace carriers, and we get to carry Christ's peace with us wherever we go. What about gentleness? I always kind of skipped over this one. I'm like, yeah, I'm gentle. I don't like conflict. I'm not mean. Parenting has shown me just how gentle I am not. If parenting is not the most refining thing I've ever been through, I don't know what is. We have to get good. I'm going to say this till I'm blue in the face. We have to get good at being in the word, at preaching to ourselves, and then acting like it. Walking it out. Just some other ideas for you of ways to see if you're bearing fruit. Are you serving in church? Are you discipling someone else who's maybe not as far along in the faith? Formally or informally? Are you responding to situations differently than your coworkers or family would? Do they notice there's a difference? Are you simply living different and living counterculturally? All of this, everything we've talked about, being rooted, putting our identity in Christ, running our race, having a Sabbath, checking in with ourselves, nourishing ourselves spiritually, it's all countercultural, all of it. But this kind of the point. If we are looking like the world, then we're not looking like Jesus. It's not always going to be easy. The Bible says that the road to eternal life is narrow, and it's narrow for a reason, because it's hard to live this way sometimes. But his yoke is easy. We are constantly being transformed and renewed. Scripture says that. We are a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. We are being transformed. It's a process. Constantly having to surrender daily, multiple times a day, over and over again. But God is the one who makes us new. He's the one who cultivates those, those roots and the fruit. He does the work in us. I read a quote the other day by Jess Connolly that I thought was really appropriate. It says, what if all the areas in our life that feel fruitless are opportunities for us to remember who is really in charge of growing things? This morning I was telling God, I feel like such a failure in these areas. And he said, so if you were seeing the fruit you wanted, you'd be the hero? I wanted to eradicate any confusion in my heart about who produces the fruit around here. Spiritual fruit can't and shouldn't be explained away by worldly gifts. It's God's grace, God's spirit, God's power that does the heavy lifting, not my good works. I'm grateful he uses us. I'm so grateful he empowers us through the gifts he gives us. But at the end of the day, he is the hero. He is the giver. He is the rescue. Thank you, God, for the grace to look at this, the less fruitful places and remember, it's not my good work good character, good leadership, or striving that brings fruit. It is you. It is abiding in you. We may not see the fruit right away. It may take time. Maybe you are in the dark season. You're being planted. You're under the soil. The, you, God's moving and the roots are growing down, but you're not seeing much above ground. Maybe that's your season right now. Maybe you are in the season where there's some seedlings sprouting. You got some leaves. You got some green. You're like, okay, I didn't kill it yet. Sweet. We're going to keep going. 
Maybe you are actually in the season where you are seeing the fruit. Praise God for that. All of it is growth, though. All of it is, is something to worth, worth celebrating. Because all of it is us being transformed to be more and more like Jesus. He is always working. He is always cultivating the fruit if we are willing and we are making ourselves available to him. He doesn't get tired or discouraged. He produces the fruit in us, regardless of which season we're in. It takes us being faithfully obedient. That's so much easier said than done. But if, if we are obedient and we allow God we get really, really honest with him and ourselves, and we allow him to root out our selfishness, our sin, the lies that we have believed for way too long. When we start to agree with what the Bible says instead of what the enemy keeps telling us, then we can truly receive his gift. We will truly be able to walk in freedom, and we will start to see the fruit of that obedience. So, as we wrap up, let's be women who abide. Let's send our spiritual roots down. Let's be, let's be sending them to the, the streams of living water. Let's remember that the root system is bigger than maybe what we see up top. That is our life source. That's what's going to keep us growing. Trees, full-grown trees, their root systems are actually wider. You may all know this. I just found this out. The, the root systems are wider than their canopies. But they have to be. Those trees are heavy. They will fall over if they have nothing to ground them. Let's be women who, by his grace, we produce the fruit of his spirit for the good of others and for God's glory. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this retreat. We thank you for these ladies. And I thank you for the work that you have done in our hearts this weekend. Thank you for encountering us here, for, for the conviction, for the love, for your grace for just relationships and fellowships with other women, for time set aside to come and commune with you and with your other women, Father. We thank you for this time. I pray protection over these ladies as they head home and back into their lives, into their routines. God, help them to continue to grow their roots deeper in you. Help them to remember to nourish and to seek you so that you can fill us up to overflowing. God, help us to root in you rather than things of this world so that we can produce fruit that brings you glory. We love you, Jesus. We thank you so, so much. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. and established podcast. As always, I'm so grateful you took time to listen. I would be honored if you take a moment to leave a five-star rating and positive review. This helps other potential listeners know that this is a podcast worth listening to. And while you're at it, screenshot the podcast and put it on your social media or stories to share with your friends. 
that is worth a thousand thank yous. But if you tag me, I'll be sure to personally thank you myself. I hope you have a great week and we'll chat again soon.